So over the course of my life, I've been uh, blessed to have a variety of creatures in my life. I grew up with a gerbil named How Do You Do? <laughs> he was a companion to my brother's gerbil named Mabel. Now, Mabel was named George until she had babies, and I was six years old or so, and George's transformation from George to Mabel served as a great first lesson in the birds and the bees for me. Then there was Sunshine, a beautiful yellow canary, thanks a lot, my multicolored parakeet. And in third grade, we had a turtle named Snappy. He was a big uh, snapping turtle that lived in our backyard, just came in from the desert. And he loved our yard and the special lean ground beef I would take from the fridge to feed him despite my parents' pleadings not to do so. And then, of course, there are all the dogs that have been part of my life. While I know that not everyone adores dogs, I do, and I've long thought that God created dogs as dogs give us a glimpse into what the heart of God looks like, a heart that is forgiving, loving, and always present. And I've grown up over the years with a variety of dogs with different names, Happy, Tiger, Bear, Sasquatch, Jasper, just to name a few. And most of the time, our dogs were very well loved and cared for, with very few exceptions. Like the time my older brother decided it would be fun to paint our white dog a nice bright green with oil-based paint, the kind of paint with lead they don't make anymore. My parents, I remember, had to shave him, and I remember he, she really looked more like a giant rat than a dog after that. And many of you know that Regina, my wife, and I over the years have been partial to Bouviers. They have some interesting characteristics. They're smart, they're goofy, they're playful, they're protective, they're big. And every Bouvier we've had loves to spend time sitting in my lap, despite their 65 to 100 pound weight. And our dog, Osa, is no exception. If I sit in a chair, she comes bouncing and pounding along and jumps into my lap. And we love the fact that Osa loves to make us laugh as well, whether chasing things around the house or uprooting potted plants and throwing dirt everywhere. Osa is generally entertaining us. But there are some things that our dog, Osa, that drives me nuts. You see, she has this affinity for hound's tongue. It's a common plant around here. It's invasive. It's not supposed to be around here. A lot of you know about hound's tongue. And it seems to hide until you walk by it, and then it jumps on you. It's then that it jumps out at you if you walk by and covers your socks and your clothes and your pants and anything with these nasty little prickly things. Now, what's interesting is a long time ago, people thought if you wore a leaf of hound's tongue on your shoe, it would ward off dogs. Really? I can't imagine this being true, because dogs, including Osa, seem to love it. Well, anyway, whatever the use of hound's tongue might be, it is a mess. And if Osa runs for just a moment on just about any hike or walk we take, when she comes back, she is often just covered head to toe with these prickly ball-shaped things that are nearly impossible to get out of her fur. And when we try and remove the burrs, they stick all over the clothes we are wearing. And given the lack of snow, hound's tongue is everywhere in the village currently. The final thing I want to say about Osa is, in addition to loving hound's tongue, she also loves to roll around scat. And the bigger and the smellier the pile, the better. <laughs> I don't know why she likes to do this, but she does. Well, the result of all this is we can always tell where Osa has been. 
whether it's the prickly thing stuck on her fur from stomping through hound's tongue or from the smell of scat she gets from rolling in it. The bottom line is, Osa brings home the stuff that comes from where she has been. Wherever she goes, literally rubs off on her. And while maybe this is not the best simile, I think in this way, in this one way, we are kind of like dogs, except it's not hound's tongue or scat that rubs off on us, but rather other people. You see, we reflect who we've been with. Others rub off on us and affect us, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. And just like we tell our children, we often mirror those that we spent the most time with. And while other people rub off on us, the converse is also clearly true, more often than not. You and I rub off on other people, whether we intend to or not. How we act and what we say, the thoughts that cross our minds, all profoundly affect people around us. Again, whether intentional or not, we have a massive impact on everybody we encounter even in short little snippets of time, for good or for bad. Our gospel reading today is from Mark. It's the earliest and shortest of the gospels, as as you all know. And just below the surface of our reading today is something that I'd like to invite us to think about in these Advent days ahead. But before getting to that, I want to take a look at the reading in more general terms just for a second. Now, Mark's gospel begins with the words, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the word gospel literally means good news. Good news. The good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how the gospel begins. And not only good news, but great news that God came in person in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. And the rest of Mark's gospel is the telling of the story of what it means and what difference it makes that God chose to come among us as Jesus. Well, following this introduction, we meet a fellow named John the Baptist. And the story of John is about a man who prepares people for the coming of Jesus. And it's important to point out that long before John showed up, the Old Testament prophets of Malachi and Isaiah told of a time when a person would arrive on scene proclaiming that the Messiah was on his way. In Malachi, we find, for example, a messenger of God will go ahead of him And in Isaiah, it reads, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John the Baptist was the fulfillment of these prophecies. Now, on a side note, the word Messiah means anointed one. And in the Greek language, the word Messiah is translated Christos, which is where we get Christ. And long before Jesus showed up, people expected that one day the Messiah would come and deal with suffering and justice and change the course of things. And although for a variety of reasons at the time, not all people accepted that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus certainly fulfilled the role of Messiah in ways that changed the course of history, the lives of billions of people, and showed humankind that love is the bottom line. Anyway, back to John the Baptist. John was an interesting character, not only because of his appearance, but because of his courage and his passion. He was a person who was willing to take lots of risks due to his convictions and his sense of calling. He was clear about his purpose in life, to introduce people to Jesus. That was his purpose, to tell people about Jesus, to prepare folks for his arrival, and to encourage them to repent or to turn their lives back to God. 
He passionately encouraged people to open up their hearts, their lives to God, and for what God was about to do through Jesus. As I mentioned a moment ago, there is something else going on here below the surface of the story. And it's a powerful lesson I believe that God wants each of us to think about in this Advent season. More than anything else, John profoundly affected people. He shook people up by what he said and how he acted. And when people were around John, they paid attention to him. And as a result of John, folks thought about their lives and what was really most important. As a result of John, people thought about God and what it means to have a God that is fully present. As a result of John, people thought about how they had fallen short and what they needed to do to set things right in their lives and in their relationships. As a result of John, people spent time thinking about their passions, their affections, their attachments, as well as their purpose in life. And even for those who rejected John, he got people thinking. My hunch is that when John was not physically around, people still thought about him, his message, and his life. The bottom line is that John the Baptist rubbed off on people because of who he was and what he said. John's whole life was a pro proclamation about Jesus. And when people thought about John, they thought about Jesus. So as I think about John and who he was and the impact he had, I'm compelled to offer some questions for each of us to think about, some very important questions. John's life proclaimed Jesus. Who or what do our lives fundamentally proclaim? Who or what do our lives point to when it's all said and done? When people are around us, what principles and values do they sense? What do people take away from us after an encounter, even just a short encounter with us? What rubs off of you? What rubs off of me onto other people? And whether or not we know it or intend it, as I mentioned earlier, people are affected powerfully by being around us. And what rubs off of us can run the gamut from things that are debilitating to destructive, to life-changing, to healing, to leading people to Jesus. So the question is, what do we want to rub off on others as a result of people being around us? What do we really want people to take away from being with us? I know that in my life, I continue to fall short in many, many ways. I'm very imperfect. I've done and said things I regret. Not all of whom I've been around people reflects my true values. And sadly, some of what has rubbed off on me onto others is not what I would have wanted. Perhaps you have some of these feelings too. But I also know that you and I are on a journey and that we can add, ask God to help us rub off on people in the way that he would like us to. We can repent, as John talks about in the gospel reading today. Repentance meaning simply turning our lives back over to God. We can take time to stop and think about the questions that I've just asked and what rubs off of us. And I believe in the fact that you and I can become more and more and more and more like dogs. Not dogs that spread prickly burrs or smelly scat, 
but like dogs that give people a glimpse into the heart of God. Now, I'm not trying to be silly with this simile. I believe that we can ask God to use us so that it is God who rubs off of us onto others. So it's my prayer for all of you here today. It's my prayer for me. It's my prayer for the people of the chapel and this community and other Christ followers that we will increasingly rub off on people and ways that lead people to Jesus and the love of God. That as we continue to be transformed and changed by Jesus, that those around us will be affected in ways that will bring about healing in their lives, hope in their lives, wholeness in their lives, peace, forgiveness, joy. So I invite you over the Advent days ahead to take some time to pray, to think about and to dig deep within your heart about what it is that is rubbing off of you onto others. And my prayer for each of us is that what we will exude most of all to everyone we encounter is the love of God, a love that is so desperately needed at this time in our land. Let us pray.